0: On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, I was lucky enough to attend Battery Day, and I want to tell you all about it. Stay tuned for all of the news and analysis from the big event, plus a recap of the annual shareholders meeting as well. What's happening, friends? Welcome to Ride the Lightning, episode 269 for September 27th, 2020. I'm Ryan McCaffrey, and I want to say that I had a wonderful 40th birthday last weekend. Thank you very much to all of you who reached out to wish me a happy birthday. I have to say, I can't complain. I had a nice day with my family. Then the two days following that, I got the Xbox Series X, which is you know the big new big deal in the video game world, one of the new next generation consoles. I'm going to work on that for IGN. You can check out the coverage there if you're interested. And then I got to go to Battery day, which I will get to in detail momentarily. but real quick, a housekeeping note. I am recording on Thursday night this week rather than Friday night because I thought, really, what's going to be bigger than Battery Day this week? I was able to get all my notes together, all my clips, all my thoughts, and got the show prepped and ready to go, so I thought, well, why not? I might, Why not just get it done? I'll get it out to the Patreon backers who have early access to the podcast, and then if anything of note does happen on Friday, I'll just roll it into next week's show. Now, speaking of Patreon, invites for this month's new Patreon supporter Google Hangout chat are going out this weekend. So this will be for new folks joining my Patreon at the $5 tier or higher, or if you're upgrading to that tier or higher, you've got until September 30th, actually through September 30th to sneak into that. And then I'm going to get the invites out, but I am targeting Sunday, October 4th, at noon for that group Google Hangout for those new Patreon backers. So there is that. And with that, let's get to Battery Day. I want to start with the shareholder meeting. That's what was first at the actual event itself. So they had the stage, and then on either side of the stage, they actually had, in true Elon Musk fashion, they spelled out the joke. On the left left side of the stage, if you're looking at the stage, they had... Sexy, S3, X, and Y. And then to the right of the stage, they had cars. Cybertruck, ATV, Roadster, and Semi. Now, I have to tell you, I have had the privilege of seeing both the Cybertruck and the Roadster in person at previous Tesla events. But both of those occasions were at night. And why I bring that up is because this event, the battery day and shareholder meeting was in the middle of the afternoon and seeing the Cybertruck and Roadster in the sun is a huge difference for the better. I mean, they're beautiful under any any lighting, any circumstances, but seeing these two vehicles in the sun is just stunning. The Roadster has almost Almost a metallic orange going on in the paint, along with just the red that you see in the pictures. It, pictures really don't capture it. Uh, just, It's just incredible to look at, the, the paint job on this car. I don't know how many stages that paint job is, but I hope to heck that Tesla's going to offer it on the production car. Not just in that color, obviously, but a, a similar paint quality in other colors, because it would make sense to offer a top-shelf paint job like that on a 200000 1000 dollars car. Again, pictures do not do it justice. I've got some on my Twitter and uh, Instagram. Instagram might be the quicker way to find those pictures if you're curious to see my photos from the event. I'm DMC underscore Ryan on either Twitter or Instagram. Now, as for the Cybertruck, well, I have to say there... I am fortunate enough, I'm very used to seeing what a stainless steel bodied car looks like in the sun from my 12 years of DeLorean ownership. But if you're not, (laughs) I think it's fair to say most people are probably not used to seeing a stainless steel bodied car, uh, and nobody keeps their stainless steel refrigerators outside in the sun, I think it's fair to say for the most part. Stainless in the sun is also very striking. It looks awesome. Uh, both cars, well, all the vehicles, all the CARS uh, were roped off. But even from a couple feet away, the <laughs> another DeLorean memory came flooding back to me when I went over to, to take pictures of the Cybertruck and was standing just on the other side of the, the roped off uh, spot, which was still, it was pretty close. It was maybe like two feet, two, three feet from the car, from the truck. And <laughs> even from that distance... I could feel the heat radiating off of the bare stainless steel, just like with my Delorean. The same thing happened. Now, uh, funny enough, as I mentioned, I posted photos of each of them, and I just put put the posts up back to back, uh, at least on on, ta- on Twitter here. And surprisingly, the Roadster pictures did way better, even though the Cybertruck is just has been the talk of the internet from its unveiling onward here. It's almost, gosh, what are we, 10? It's 10 months now that it's been since the the Cybertruck was unveiled. Now, I later noticed that Elon Musk liked my Roadster tweet, which what that does is it will put it on the timelines of his millions of followers. So that's what did the trick. But still, it did get me thinking because I, I, I was reading just, there were just hundreds of comments in response to the post because again, it went down Elon's uh the, the 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 timelines of Elon's followers who obviously most of which don't follow me and i have to say like i think it w- the the reactions to the roadster pictures were so strong because tesla has so buried the roadster and tesla as a brand at the same time is still gaining so much awareness every single day with new people just coming in all the time that I think a lot of people genuinely don't even know about the Roadster and thus seeing it show up in their timelines after Elon likes the tweet is a, is a pleasant surprise. And I just, a lot of the replies, if you go read the thread, it's just people like, wow, that's stunning, wow, Tesla's doing that. Whereas the Cybertruck, of course, made headlines everywhere. It just practically broke the internet last November. And it already has a pretty crazy high awareness level, especially compared to the Roadster. But anyway, that's that. Uh, Let's get started with the presentations themselves, with the shareholder meeting, because that was first. That was the the first step of the day's presentations. So here is Elon's opening remark from the shareholder meeting. (laughs) Hey, everyone.
1: Well, I mean, this is definitely a new approach. We got the the Tesla drive-in movie theater, basically. Um, it's good to see everyone. It's a little hard to read the room uh, with everyone being in cars, but it's uh, <laughs> it's the only way we could do it. So, uh, hopefully, it's cool, and hopefully, you can hear me. Can you guys hear me?
0: Okay. All right. Great. So yeah, if you didn't watch the event and you're hearing the recap of this, you're hearing about all of this for the first time on this podcast. I didn't want to spoil it, but yes, it was set up because of social distancing practices and the the county, uh, the Alameda County parameters. Because we were reminded several times on the way in by many Tesla employees, please stay six feet apart. Please stay six feet apart. I think the county was uh, probably keeping a watchful eye on them. But so the way they countered that was, you know, they invited, I don't know how many, couple hundred people, whatever it was to this thing. And everyone was sitting in their own Tesla. And then there was the stage up front. And as I said, they had uh, sexy cars on the left, uh, sexy on the left, cars on the right, stage in the middle, and then two big giant screens. So it was, as you heard Elon say there, It was totally like a drive-in. So there were rows and rows. I actually, I couldn't even, I genuinely couldn't see all the way back. I have no idea how many there actually were. And what's cool was they had the slide deck that Elon uh, and and the Tesla team presented on everybody's screen in the car. And then the microphone audio from the stage was on an FM radio frequency, again, just like a drive-in. And with everyone spread so far out and in cars, everybody took to honking in lieu of applause, which was hilarious, not only on its own, but it was was extra hilarious because they handed out a sheet of guidelines for the event on your way in. And on that sheet, which I read through, it specifically said, do not honk your horns, but as you heard there, Elon seemed to dig it, and he totally just rolled with it. Afterwards, too, I was telling my wife about it, and I realized that that event that I was I got to be a part of, it was like a live-action Disney Pixar Cars movie where Elon was speaking to a group of sentient cars, that would honk when they heard something they liked. I mean, I was one of the cars. Uh, in fact, I was lucky enough. I was assigned that just when I checked in. They said, "Okay, your car 27," which happened to be in the second row. So I was I was pretty near the front, which was which was really neat. Also, by just random coincidence, and apropos of nothing, this was my first time in a Model Y because the pandemic has prevented me from checking out anybody else's. So. Uh, I have to say, my quick impressions of not driving it, but just sitting in it for a couple hours, it's exactly like a Model 3, at least from the driver's seat. I know from the second row, you've got the panoramic glass roof, but from the driver's seat, it's just like a Model 3, other than those seat risers definitely making you feel a bit higher up. Um, But yeah, so that that was an interesting way to have my first experience in a Model Y. All right, so the shareholder meeting gets going, Elon's running through his presentation, and here he talks about his high hopes for Giga Shanghai. And we'll see the the Shanghai factory continue to
1: scale uh, quite a bit from where it is right now. I think we we really could expect that to be, over time, a factory that produces over a million vehicles a year.
0: Yeah, (laughs) it's cool. Boy, if Giga Shanghai alone can get to a one million vehicle output per year, that bodes exceptionally well for the rest of the total global output, what with Fremont and then Berlin under construction, uh, and then of course, Giga Texas under construction as well. In fact, the idea of a million vehicles hold that thought for later. In the meantime, here is Elon speaking about how well the Model Y launch went.
1: Uh, let's see, so volume, we also reached in the past year volume production of the Model Y, and this was the smoothest launch that we've ever had. So I think we're, we're definitely getting better at uh, new vehicle launches and building factories and scaling production. Uh, I, as you've heard me say before, it's the hardest thing is scaling production, especially of a new technology. It's insanely difficult. Uh, m- making a prototype is, is relatively easy. And if I think, like, what is the real achievement of Tesla in in sort of car company terms, it's like it it wasn't making sort of exciting prototypes. Uh, It it was that Tesla was really the first company in about a century in the U.S., the first U.S. company in the U.S. to reach volume production uh, and be sustainably profitable. Like, the the crazy thing is this, this has really not happened in 100 years. That's the that's the actual super hard part. Um, and we, we now have uh, f- four vehicles in volume production, S3, XY. So, also the, the toughest joke,
0: uh, I think, maybe ever. It um, was a very difficult joke to make. Um. <laughs> so just for context here, I'm gonna bring up DeLorean. And the reason I'm gonna do that is because it's actually a relevant comparison. DeLorean was, I guess, arguably, might have been the last uh, proper American car company attempt s- until Tesla uh, and of course DeLorean didn't work but in the in the long run but DeLorean did a year of th- what was basically their full production or at least as as full as they got and that was 6500 cars that they did in 1981 out of a total of 9000 or so DeLorean's made so just for some context there of the last time a new American car company tried to mass produce, so yeah, Elon is totally right. Nobody else has done it. It's wild. it's no nobody it's just it's it's so difficult as we have seen firsthand Tesla make it through those growing pains. And yes, uh, Elon does deserve credit. It probably is the most <laughs> logistically difficult joke to pull off of all time, I can't argue with him there. Uh, all right, next Elon addressing how Giga Austin, Giga Texas is going to be huge for Tesla's economics and not just in the revenue generation sense.
1: And, and I mean, even if you, if for, for, the, for Giga Texas in Austin, uh, even if we had exactly the same cost as in California, it would still be advantageous to, to do it there because it's roughly two thirds of the way across the US so uh, we, in terms of delivering cars to the central U.S. and to the East Coast, uh, it's, far, it's just faster, costs less, um, and um, it, it fundamentally improves our economics. So I think this is uh, also maybe something that's not fully appreciated, of, of just how important it is to have a factory at least on the continent or, or reasonably close to where the end customers is. So you can tighten that, that, that whole chain.
0: Well, I find it interesting to hear that even when you factor out tax breaks, cost of living in Texas versus California, all that stuff, that sheer geography is such a big advantage, financial advantage, for Giga Texas. Remember, too, that Giga Texas won't just be doing Cybertruck and Semi-Truck. But they'll also be doing Model Ys for the eastern United States as well, which will ease the burden as well as the transit costs on this exact topic of the Fremont factory as well. So pivotal role uh, to be played by GigaTexas. How much will Tesla grow this year, Elon Musk? The answer may pleasantly surprise you. So um,
1: and then in 2019, we had 50% growth. Um, And I think we'll do really pretty well in 2020, Um, probably somewhere between 30 to 40% growth, despite uh, a lot of very difficult circumstances. Um, I mean, there's so many, you know, pandemic wildfires, it is like a whole bunch of difficult uh, production issues. Um, But uh, thanks to the hard work of the Tesla team and a lot of innovative um, approaches to overcoming issues, Uh, we're able to still uh, see significant growth in one of the most difficult, in fact, i say probably the, the most difficult year of Tesla's existence.
0: While I know that Elon is just speaking off the cuff there, it's not like a prepared statement, I would say that 2008 and even 2017 probably give 2020 a run for its money as far as how difficult a year it was for Tesla. I mean, I'm not saying it hasn't been a heck of a challenge this year, But in those two other years, if you've been following Tesla for a while, they came close to bankruptcy, uh, super close in 2008 even. Uh, They did not have that threat this year, fortunately, but they nevertheless faced a heck of a lot of adversity. And the fact that they have come through that adversity stronger just speaks to two things, in my opinion. One, the talent and the hard work of the entire Tesla team. And two, the quality of the products. People just want these cars, regardless of the circumstances, and really those things together have really helped Tesla navigate these choppy 2020 waters, really as well, I think you could easily make the case, as well as any car company has, which is great to see for Tesla. Uh, next, here's Elon talking about how Tesla always tries to do the most good.
1: Yeah, Tesla, we, we try very hard to do the right thing. Um, if the right thing does not happen, it's just because we, we maybe made a mistake or we're, weren't aware of it. But we, we always try to do the right thing as, to the best of our ability. And, uh, and then we, we publish the extended impact report to show you know, just a sort of a self-examination of, okay, what are we doing right? What are we doing wrong? Uh, what can we do better in the future? Um, you know, we're definitely trying to accomplish the most good. And so, you know, if we, if we occasionally make a mistake, we work quickly to fix it and do the right thing.
0: This goes back to what I've said every now and again on this podcast. I personally do believe this, that Tesla does try to do the right thing. And more often than not, I think they do. And I've seen their actions reflect that, not just their words. And that's why I give them the benefit of the doubt in most cases. But, you know, it's good to see Elon say this because even though every company should try to do the most good and do the right thing, many don't. So I am glad to hear Elon vocalize this. Uh, Next up, here's a comment from Elon on the autopilot full rewrite that is going on right now. So we were,
1: we were improving, but like the, the, the improvements kind of started tailing off and not, and just not getting where where they needed to be. Um, we, were, we were quite close to still getting trapped in a local maximum, um, and so we had to do a fundamental rewrite of the entire autopilot software stack um, and and all of the labeling uh, software as well. So we're now um, labeling in three D uh, video. So. This is hugely different from the previously where we were labeling essentially a a bunch of uh, single images uh, from the eight cameras and they would be labeled um, at different times by different people and some of the the labels you you, you literally can't tell what it is you're labeling. Um, So it it basically made it sort of in some cases impossible to label um, and the labels had a, a lot of errors. Now. Uh, with our new labeling tools, uh, we label it in video. So, we actually label entire video segments um, and the system. So, so you get the, basically a surround video uh, thing to label and uh, with, with, with the surround video and, and with time. So, it's now, it's now taking all, am- all cameras simultaneously and, and looking at how the images change over time and labeling that. Um, and then, the sophistication of the neural nets in the car and the overall logic in the car has improved dramatically. Um, I think we'll hopefully release uh, a private beta of, of Autopilot, or f- the full self-driving version of Autopilot, in, I think, a month or so. Uh, and then people will, will really uh, understand just the magnitude of the change. It's, it's profound. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, so as you'll see it's just like a hell of a step change. But because we had to rewrite everything, Labeling software, the, just the entire code base. Um, it, took, it's t- it took us quite a while. Um, and the, the, the sort of new sort of, I call it like 4D, in, in the sense that it's uh, th- three dimensions plus time. Um, uh, it just t- it's just taken us a while to rewrite everything. Um, and so, you know, you'll, you'll see what it's like. It's going to be, it's amazing. Um, yeah, it's, it's just uh, it clearly going to work.
0: I thought that clip was really useful because I thought it explained that autopilot rewrite pretty well. I really, really hope this gets rid of the phantom braking problem I talked about last week, which, uh, thankfully, I appreciate a number of you wrote in or called in about after I spoke about it last week, but it's definitely a problem for a number of people. But anyway, it'll be interesting to see if you can feel the general overall difference between the current autopilot and the rewrite overnight from having the old one and then whenever that software update comes down to deliver the new one to the majority of the fleet around christmas time if all goes well two more clips from the shareholder meeting this one discusses tesla's next phases of expansion so we have um now we'll soon have three factor
1: three new factories incremental on Well, we have one already um, on three different continents, uh, Shanghai. We're expanding the Shanghai with the second phase. Um, Berlin is making rapid progress, um, and Texas is is making even faster progress. So, um, yeah. <laughs> it, it, with, with each factory, we're, what we're trying to do is, is also improve the manufacturing technology. So, it's... Um, You know, in some cases, like the Model Y made in Berlin might look the same, but it actually is made in a much more efficient way. And um, yeah, we'll talk about that later in the the battery uh,
0: presentation. My takeaway from that was that he said Giga Texas is making even faster progress than Giga Berlin. Because Berlin, if you've been following the progress with all the prefab work going up with the structures, that is making radical progress. Texas is still a graded patch of dirt, but he sounded mighty confident there that it's going at an even quicker pace than Berlin is, which by the way, is great news for those of you with Cybertruck reservations, because that Giga Texas plant has to go up before the Cybertruck can go into production. Uh, The last shareholder meeting clip here, is a little tease from Elon on what's what you're going to hear very very shortly about from Battery Day, and also how he measures Tesla's success. the
1: the, the battery The battery stuff we're going to talk about is, is truly revolutionary, uh, and essential to uh, to Tesla's goal. the fundamental The fundamental good of Tesla it's like if you look back in history and say what what good did Tesla do? Um, the good will be to what you know by how many years did we accelerate sustainable energy? That's like the, the true metric of, of, of success. Um, you know, it, it matters if, if sustainable energy happens faster or slower. And, and so that's really like how I think about Tesla and how we should, ju- you know, sort of assess our, our progress. You know, how, by how many years did we accelerate sustainable energy? Um, and the, what we're going to talk about with batteries and, and a few other things uh, will really explain how we're going to make a step change improvement in the acceleration of uh, sustainable energy.
0: Thank you. Again, I find it very interesting to hear how Elon thinks about the company's big picture goal. I'm not quite sure how you measure it, but I applaud it nevertheless. All right, let's move on to battery day with Elon Musk and Drew Baglino, the senior vice president of powertrain and energy engineering coming up right after this. All September long, Ride the Lightning is sponsored by Tesla. Teslab is an incredibly useful app that complements your Tesla ownership experience by helping you see and understand exactly how your vehicle is performing well beyond what the car shows you. I've been using it myself and think of it as a fitness tracker for your car, kind of like a Tesla version of a Fitbit or an Apple Watch. You can get real world range estimates in real time. You can monitor charge rates at superchargers to make sure you're getting all the juice you're supposed to. You can rate the superchargers and see other users' ratings, including crowdsourced information about stuff like nearby food options and clean bathrooms. The creators of Tesla have even gamified it if you're interested in that aspect of it, offering friendly competitions with other Tesla users in your area for things like, say, who's driven the most efficiently that day, or who's visited the most superchargers in a day, for example. Best of all, you can export your data for your further knowledge, records, and even for your business accounting purposes. All this information and a lot more is available with TezLab, which you can get on the App Store and Google Play. Learn more and sign up at tezlab.app slash RTL. The app is free to use for life, but you can upgrade to a pro account for the price of a cup of coffee and get way more out of it. Check it out. That's tezlab.app RTL. T-E-Z-L-A-B dot A-P-P RTL. All right. Thank you, Tesla. Well, after a brief intermission, then we all got back in our cars and started the Battery Day presentation. Elon came back out to the stage with the aforementioned Drew Baglino, Senior VP of Powertrain and Energy Engineering. Now, I want to preface this by saying, well, kind of an apology of sorts, because I guess what I, what I want to say here is There's just no way for me to give you the full details and full context of this presentation in an abbreviated soundbite form. Elon and Drew walked through every step of their plan here, from mining to manufacturing. They explained how it's all gonna come together and radically accelerate Tesla's production capabilities while also improving them and drastically reducing their costs at the same time. Basically, the best of all worlds accomplished via a ground-up rethink of the entire battery process. So I encourage you to go watch the full presentation if you're interested. I'm gonna do my best to give you the highlights here over the next, what's probably gonna end up being 30 or so minutes, if I had to guess. But uh, if you wanna watch the whole thing, you can find it. YouTube.com slash Tesla and the battery day portion starts at the one hour 40 minute 30 second mark of that video so with that here is what Tesla has accomplished so far
1: so in, t- in terms of Tesla's contribution we've, we've delivered over a million electric vehicles 26 billion um, electric miles driven uh, and uh, many gigawatt hours of stationary batteries Uh, 17 terawatt-hours of solar generated, so um, I think solar is sometimes uh, underweighted at at Tesla, but it is a massive part of our future. Um, The three parts of a sustainable energy future are sustainable energy generation, storage, and electric vehicles, so we intend to play a significant role
0: in all three. It's 1.2 million vehicles, to be more specific, per the slides in the presentation. Now, that in and of itself is a pretty impressive accomplishment, considering that, like I was talking about earlier with DeLorean, uh, the last attempt, really, no other automotive manufacturer founded in the last 50-plus years, maybe even 100, has come even close to that, let alone doing that with a completely different power source, no gasoline, and a complete rethink of the consumer purchasing process, i.e. no dealerships. So I play you that little clip from the beginning of the Battery Day presentation as some context for what's to come and where Tesla is going. Now on that note, here's uh, Drew and Elon talking about Kind of where they are now with battery output and where they need to go. So today's batteries can't scale fast
1: enough. Uh, they're just too small. Um, for Giga, giga Nevada, um, 150 gigawatt hours per year is like what we probably expect to, to make out of there. But this is really pretty small in the grand scheme of things. That's only 0.15 terawatt hours.
2: And they cost too much.
1: <laughs> so
2: we would need 135 fully built out Nevada gigafactories to achieve 20 terawatt hours a year. It's not scalable enough of a solution. We need a dramatic rethink of the cell manufacturing system to, to scale as fast as we can and should.
1: Yeah, and I think we should view this as as more than just a question of money. Um, money is sort of like an ethereal thing, but it's really the amount of effort. You have a, a certain amount of, of effort um, you know, in terms of people and machines. And depending on... on how efficient that that effort is, um, you know, f- for a given amount of effort, you, you want the most amount of batteries. So it's not just a question of like, well, if we had $2 trillion, you, tomorrow you could make this. It's, it's not that easy. Um, you actually need to organize a massive number of people, build a lot of machines, build the machines that make the machines. Um, and so it's incredibly important to uh, have that effort uh, yield the most number of batteries.
0: Now you might think that it's altruistic for Elon to say that it's as much about effort as it is about money. But given how we've seen the rest of the auto industry react to Tesla in general, and how they've all barely made any legitimate efforts to convert to electric, I think he's justified in that statement. I mean, it's not a problem that you can just write a check to cover. You've got to want to do it, and be willing to put in the, as I'll call it, farm-to-table efforts that this presentation covers. So let's continue with Tesla's next steps. So, uh,
1: and, and then goal to obviously, we need to make uh, more affordable cars. Um, the, uh, you know, I think one of the things that troubles me the most is that we, we don't yet have a truly affordable car, um, and that, that is something that we will make in the future. Uh, but in order to do that, um, we've got to get the cost of batteries down. We've got to make uh, and we've got to be better at manufacturing and And we need to do something about this curve this curve the curve of, of the cost per kilowatt hour of, of batteries is not improving fast enough um, So we, we give it, we've given this a lot of thought over many years uh, to say okay, how can we radically improve the the cost per kilowatt hour curve um, it, it's been somewhat flattening out, actually, in in recent yeah. years. So I mean,
2: early growth was promising, but you can see we're kind of plateauing. Yeah. So that's that's what's motivating us to to rethink how cells are produced and designed.
1: Yeah, exactly. So. So, um, yeah, and EV market share is growing, but EVs, yeah, aren't are still inaccessible to all. Um, it's it's and, and you can see as so, as Drew was saying, it's like starting to flatten out a little bit because. Uh, the, the rate of improvement of the affordability of cars is just not fast enough. So that's why we got battery day.
2: Yeah. Okay. To make the best cars in the world, we design vehicles and factories from the ground up. Next. Yeah. And now we do this for batteries as well. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's weird, the, the slides don't show up quite the right. Anyway. What shows up on the screen is not quite what shows up there. Anyway. Oh, okay. It's different. <laughs> yeah, I think it's because that's yeah. No, that one's current. It's supposed to be current. Anyway.
2: So let's get started. We have a plan to have the cost per kilowatt hour. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not a plan that rests on a single innovation, some research project that'll never see the light of day. It's a plan that has taken creative engineering and industrialization across every facet of what makes a cell into a battery pack from raw material to the finished thing. And we're gonna go through that plan with you today, step by step, and build up how we get to these goals and how we accelerate this transition and make our vehicles and our, our grid batteries more affordable.
1: Yeah, of- I mean, we, we basically thought through every element of the battery, well, almost every element. There are a few more elements that uh, we won't get to today, but we will get to in the future.
0: Yes. Here is the first mention of the cheaper car. Now, this was actually initially brought up, gosh, several years ago, three, four years ago now, by Elon, as the idea of being a compact sedan, smaller than the Model 3. Then, at one point, if I recall correctly, he said that a smaller, cheaper car following the Model 3 wouldn't be needed because of full autonomy. Well, that's obviously taking longer than anticipated. It is a huge problem after all. And so now the $25,000 car back on the table. In the slide deck, if you watch the video, they actually show, they put up there a render of a car underneath a giant rendered satin sheet. Now, whether that's a real design underneath the s- fake, you know, rendered silk uh, covering or not, I'm not certain. But the Model 2 or Model 4, depending on where, what you want to call it, it is coming. And we'll hear more about that later on as well. For now, uh, this is Elon and Drew explaining the benefits of the new battery technology that they have developed.
2: With simpler manufacturing, fewer parts, 50, 50 millimeter versus 250 millimeter electrical path length, uh, which is how we get all the thermal benefits.
1: Yeah, this is important to appreciate. Like basically, the the the, the distance that that electron has to travel, you know, is is just much less. Um, so uh, you actually have a shorter path length in a large tabless a large tabless cell than you have in the smaller cell with tabs. This is a big deal. So even though the the cell is bigger, it actually has uh, more power. Uh, the power to weight ratio is actually better than the smaller cell with 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 tabs. This is. Uh, you know, again, like this is quite quite hard to do. So it's uh, you know nobody's done it before. Um, so uh, and it really took a, a tremendous amount of effort uh, w- within Tesla engineering to figure out how do we make a freaking tablet cell um, and have it actually work, and and then connect that to the top cap. And it's uh, there's a whole bunch of things that we're you know keeping a little secret sauce here <laughs> that we're not telling everything,
2: um, but. Uh, sometimes what's <laughs> elegant and simple is still hard and it, we, we, it took us a lot of trials but we're, we're happy where we ended up
1: yeah I mean everything's simple in, in recollection you know after you like uh, simple, everything it's hard until it's discovered and then it's simple <laughs> um, so anyway but it's, there's a, there's a lot of really cool things going on uh, that that enable uh, tablets and um, it's really you know due to a really great engineering team, Drew and the, and the rest of the team have done amazing work in, in achieving this uh, tabless construction. Um, and it sounds, I think it may sort of sound a bit silly to some people, but <laughs> this was, this is like, for people that really know cells, this is a massive breakthrough.
2: For cylindricals to be able to to get rid of the tabs dramatically simplifies winding and coding, Yeah. and has an awesome thermal and performance benefit. Yeah, um,
1: that's a, just to elaborate on that a bit, it's like when the cell is is going, going through the, the, the system, the system it, it has to keep stopping where all the tabs are. Yes. So you can't, do a continu- you can't do continuous motion uh, uh, production uh, if you have tabs. You have to keep stopping. And, and then there's a rate at which you can start and stop and accelerate again. And, and it really slows down the, the rate of production. And then sometimes you get the tabs wrong. Um, and you also get, lose a little bit of, of, of active area. It's, it's, it's really a huge pain in the ass to have tabs um, yes. from a production standpoint.
0: Yes. I have to tell you, I learned a lot from this presentation about how a battery is physically assembled and how it works, and getting rid of the tab is evidently a big deal. Later on in the presentation, in some clips, like I said, I I just can't show you, I can't play everything for you, I'd be playing the whole thing. They went on to describe how there's much less, much less wastewater in their new process, and that everything will be recyclable as well. I mean, in short, Tesla is gonna be cutting out a lot of the intermediate production process, which is great news. Now, let's introduce you to Tesla's new battery cell.
2: And so when we put it all together and go to our new 80 millimeter length, 4680, we call this uh, new cell design, we get five times the energy with six times the power, and enable 16% range increase? Just form factor alone. Uh, Yeah, so these, yeah, it's pretty great.
1: I just, just to to clarify, that when we see these um, plus 16%, or whatever the, uh, the percentage range increases, these are the amounts due just to that particular innovation. Yes. So we'll list a whole bunch of innovations, and then when you add them up, you get a total, Uh, improvement in uh, energy density and cost. Uh, But uh, these numbers are are what refer to just this thing.
2: Yeah, and I want to stress, this is not just a concept or a rendering. We are starting to ramp up manufacturing of these cells at our pilot 10 gigawatt hour production facility just around the corner. Yeah. You already
0: know the 18650 cells that the S and the X use, You also know the 2170 cells in the Model 3 and the Model Y, now meet the next-gen 4680 cells. Those are your Cybertruck, Tesla Semi, and next-gen Roadster cells. Drew also went on, by the way, to explain that they're dry electrode cells as well, which again is a much simpler process than the wet process that everyone, including Tesla, uses now. All right, let's move forward here. We're going to press fast forward a little bit. And here's, uh, an explanation on the pilot program for these new battery cells that is underway right now. Um, now, I mean, to to be clear, it will take about a year to reach the
1: 10 gigawatt hour capacity. Uh, so, uh, this is important to appreciate. Like when you build a factory, there's a certain capacity that you design to, and then, uh, it takes some period of time to actually achieve that capacity. So, I would say it's probably about a year before we get to the 10 gigawatt hour annualized rate uh, with, the, uh, with the pilot plant. And this is just a pilot plant. Uh, the, the, the actual production plants will be more on the order of
0: uh, you know, maybe 200 gigawatt hours, maybe more over time. So yes, they are building these next gen 4680 cells right now, right here in Fremont. I imagine that in a non-pandemic time, they might've given us all a tour of the place during battery day but they did show a bit of it on the video if you end up deciding to watch the entire presentation. All right, remember Maxwell, the uh, battery research company that Tesla bought? And ever since then, everybody's been wondering, well, what is that secret sauce that Maxwell had that Tesla acquired? Well, here's Elon explaining what's going on with Maxwell and how they have integrated into Tesla and the next generation battery development process.
1: <laughs> you know, if this was easy, everyone would do it. So the it's not like uh, dry coating electrode is, is actually uh, easy. It's 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 actually very hard to do what appears to be a simple thing. Um, and and it's it's worth noting, like um, you know, we did acquire Maxwell as like a little over a year ago, I guess. Um, and you know, it's, it's certainly a good company and everything. But the 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 dry coating they had was like is like sort of what I would call proof of concept. Uh, since the acquisition, we've we've actually uh, revved the the machine that does dry coating four times, so we're in re- revision four post acquisition of the machine, um, and there's still a lot of work to do. So I would not say this is like completely in the bag. It's still a lot of work to do, um, and you know as you go, as you scale go from like benchtop to lab to uh, pilot to volume production, uh, there are actually major issues that you encounter at, at every level. It's not like you know you, you make something work on your on your bench and bingo, now you can make a bazillion of, uh, of it it's,
2: absolutely it's insanely difficult to scale up, um, yeah, yeah. And, but, and, yeah, but if you do scale it up, yeah what, what you saw before becomes this: yeah, so you can see the motivation: a ten times reduction in footprint, a ten times reduction in energy, and a massive reduction in investment. Um, but as Elon was saying, simple is hard, yeah um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean to be clear,
1: I would like not say that we, right now it's just totally working. It's 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 close to working, <laughs> but it's not even now it, at the pilot plant level. It is close to working. Well, I say, okay, I I it's fair to say it probably it does work, but with not a good, not a high yield.
2: Yeah, so we're still ironing out the kinks, but we've made tens of thousands yeah. of cells, thousands of kilometers sure. of electrode. I mean, we are on the fourth generation of the equipment, so we've learned a lot along the along the way. Yeah. I mean it is super demanding because every atom has its place. If you want to deliver the energy density and the cycle life and the supercharging, yeah. But we're but we're we're confident that we will get there. But it yeah. will be a lot of work along the
1: way. There's a clear path to success, but a ton of work between here and there. Yeah. So, uh, but this is a, a really profound improvement. Again, for people that know battery uh, manufacturing, this is a this is gigantic. Um, We'll probably be on, on machine revision six or seven by the time we do large-scale production. Um, the, the rate at which the machines are being improved is, is extremely rapid, like
0: literally every three or four months is a new rev. So I think if I'm reading this correctly, this is going to be how the Cybertruck supercharges faster than V3. Remember back at the Cybertruck unveil, I've mentioned, mentioned it a couple times since then, but in the early part of the Cybertruck presentation, Elon talks about how... It'll be able to charge above 250 kilowatts. Uh, and he says, well, we'll talk more about that later. And then it hasn't been mentioned since. Well, it sounds like this might be exactly that. Now, the, I presume, again, the Semi and the Roadster as well, since they'll be using these 4680 cells, will uh, have access to this charging capability as well. We'll get to more later on about which vehicles are, are using which battery chemistries. But for now, uh, let's talk about e- uh, Elon and Tesla's plans for how and how far they're going to expand their battery production capabilities. This is just talking about uh, Tesla internal cell
1: production. Um, as I tweeted out earlier, we will continue to uh, use our cell suppliers, the uh, Panasonic and uh, LG and CATL. Um, and so this is 100 gigawatt hours supplemental to uh, what we buy from suppliers, um, and uh, yeah, essentially th- th- this this does like reduce our weighted average cost of a cell because uh, but it, but it does it allows us to make a lot more cars and a lot more stationary storage, um, and um, and then long term we're, we're uh, expecting to make on the order of uh, 3,000 gigawatt hours or or 3 terawatt hours per year. Um, I think we can. I think we've got a good chance of of achieving this actually before 2030, but I'm highly confident that we could do it by, by 2030.
0: Three terawatts. That number sounds too large for me to even really comprehend as a real thing. It's crazy. Three terawatt hours. So how are they going to do it at the earth materials level? Take a listen to this.
2: So we have a manufacturing system. We've got a cell design. What are the active materials we're going to put in that cell design? Let's talk about the anode first. Let's talk about silicon. Why is silicon awesome? It's awesome because it's the most abundant element in the Earth's crust after oxygen, which means it's everywhere. It's sand. Yeah. Um, Sand is silicon dioxide. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And it happens to store nine times more lithium than graphite, which is the typical anode material in in lithium-ion batteries today. So why isn't everybody using it? The main reason is because the challenge with silicon is that it expands 4x when fully charged with lithium. And basically all of that expansion stress on the particle, the particles start cracking, they start electrically isolating, you lose capacity, the energy retention of the battery starts to fade, and it it also gums up with a passivation layer that has to keep reforming as the particles expand.
1: Yeah, basically with with silicon, the cookie crumbles and gets gooey. (laughs) That's basically what happens. Good analogy. Yeah.
2: Um, and current approaches to solve this, which exist, I mean, we have silicon in in the cars that you're all in right now, are involved highly engineered, expensive materials, uh, in in the scheme of things. Now they're still great, and they enable some of the benefits of silicon. They just don't enable all of it, and they're not scalable enough. So again, it seems Tesla
0: has solved this. Drew explained the whole thing in detail on the presentation. Again, this is this is the part that I have no choice but to really fast forward through. Check out the entire presentation if you're curious. But uh, let me move here to the next clip, which is about battery chemistries and Tesla's new three-tiered approach to batteries and battery chemistries. So in
1: order to scale, uh, we really need to make sure that we're not constrained by total nickel availability. Um, I actually spoke with uh, the CEOs of the biggest mining companies in the world and said, uh, please make more nickel. It's <laughs> very important. Um, and so th- I think they are going to make more nickel. Uh, but uh, it, I, there's also, uh, it, uh, I think we need to have a, a, a kind of a three-tiered approach to, to batteries. Um, so starting with iron, that's kind of like a medium range. And then nickel manganese as sort of a medium plus uh, uh, intermediate. Um, and then a high nickel for long range applications like Cybertruck and uh, the semi. Um, and something like a, like a semi truck, it's extremely important to have uh, high energy density uh, in order to get long range. So, um, and, and uh, just to give sort of iron a, a bit um, more time, like the uh, although the, you know, if you look at the uh, watt ounce per kilogram at the cathode level of, um, of iron, uh, it looks like nickel's twice as good. Uh, but when you f- fully considered at the pack level, everything else taken into account, uh, nickel is about maybe 50 or 60 percent better than uh, uh, than iron. So uh, iron is not is little better than it would seem when you t- when you look at it at the uh, the pack level fully considered. Um, it's still, it's not as good as nickel. Nickel is like 50 to 60 percent better, uh, but it's still pr- it's actually pretty good. Um, And so, you know, uh, good for stationary storage and for uh, medium range applications uh, where energy density is not paramount. And then, like I said, for intermediate, uh, it's kind of a nickel manganese. um, And it's uh, relatively straightforward to do a cathode that's uh, two-thirds nickel, one-third manganese, uh, which would then allow uh, us to make 50% more uh, cell volume
2: uh, with the same amount of nickel. And with very little energy trade-off. I mean, yeah. j- just enough to, to to have you still wanna use 100% nickel for something like a, a semi-truck, but, but really not much of a sacrifice at all. Yeah.
0: Well, here's what I was talking about earlier with the different chemistries for different vehicles. Iron will be used for the $25,000 car in the future, as well as the Model 3. Nickel manganese is for S, X, and Y. And the high nickel will be reserved for the heavy-duty stuff, the Cybertruck, the semi, and though it wasn't specifically mentioned, I have to presume the roadster will fall into that category as well. So different costs, different volumes. It does make sense. Now, what about lithium? You hear a lot about, well, you know, mining the earth for lithium, and is that bad? And is there enough lithium? Are we going to run out? This is a, a little thing from Elon explaining just how abundant lithium is
1: so it's important to note that there is a massive amount of lithium on earth um yeah. so uh lithium is not like oil there's a, a massive amount of it pretty much everywhere um so uh in fact there's there's enough um lithium in the united states to convert the entire united states fleet to electric like the all the cars in the united states are like 300 million or something like that uh, Every vehicle in the United States can be converted to electric using only lithium that is available in the United States. Discovered today. Th- yeah, what we already know is exists. people really There's, haven't even been looking. Yeah, people haven't even been trying, because it's just, like, widely available. So, yeah. um, uh, But it, it is important to say, like, okay, what is the smartest way to uh, take the ore and uh, extract the lithium and and do so in an environmentally friendly way? Um, and w- we actually discovered a, again, looking at a sort of first principles physics standpoint, um, Instead of just the way it's always been done, um, is we found that uh, we can actually use table salt, uh, sodium chloride, uh, to uh, basically ex- extract the lithium from the ore. Um, and uh, th- this is nobody's done this before, to the best of our knowledge, nobody's done this. Um, and it's a, a, a sort of you know all the elements are reusable. It's a, a very sustainable way of, of obtaining lithium. Um, and we actually uh, uh, we, we 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 actually got. Uh, rights to a, a lithium clay deposit in Nevada, over um, 10,000 acres. Over 10,000 acres, um, and then the the nature of the mining is actually I think also very environmentally uh, sensitive. In that we, we we sort of take a chunk of dirt out of the ground, or remove the lithium, and then put the chunk of dirt back where it was. So it will look pretty much the same as before, uh, and it will not look like terrible. And yeah, it will be
2: nice, <laughs> nice. <Yeah. laughs> so simply mix clay with salts in water salt comes out with the lithium done I yeah mean, it's, it's pretty crazy yeah <laughs> so uh, we're really excited about this and and there really is enough lithium in nevada alone to electrify the entire u.s fleet yeah i that's true actually just what's in
1: nevada that's uh that's basically so much damn lithium on earth it's crazy <laughs>
0: um it's one of the most common elements on the planet so there you go tesla's already got the rights to a 10000 acre lithium clay deposit in nevada and I have to imagine that Tesla's existing relationship with the political leaders of Nevada made that deal fairly painless for them, I would imagine. So the, they have now the, the material, the raw material in place to be able to go get and thus uh, not literally fund, but actually just physically, well, physically fund, I guess, not monetarily, physically fund these new battery procedures and technologies that they have unveiled here on Battery Day. But what about the future? What about when a battery
2: reaches its end-of-life cycle? How about recycling? We are starting our pilot full-scale recycling production uh, at Gigafactory Reno next quarter to, to continue to develop this process as, as our recycling returns grow. Yeah,
1: I mean, to date it's been done by third parties, but uh, we think we can, we can recycle the, the batteries more effectively, especially since uh, you know we, we know our batteries we're making the same battery as the thing we're recycling so uh, whereas like third party recyclers have to consider batteries of all kinds
2: yeah and 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 just to think about what this actually means the recycling resource is always 10 or greater years delayed because batteries last a really long time but eventually it is the way that that all resources will we made made available and that's why we're investing in this recycling facility in Nevada yeah Long-term, new batteries will come from old batteries uh, once the fleet reaches
0: steady state. I've talked about this before, but for me, the magician's trick that Tesla so expertly plays is that you can come to Tesla from any number of ways, from any number of avenues. If you want performance, well, Tesla's got you covered in a way that really few other companies can match. If you are safety-minded, they objectively lead the world in that category. And if you value environmental causes, they excel there too, zero emissions, et cetera. And here is the next long-term sustainable step in that. So it's very cool to hear that they're gonna be able to recycle old batteries into new ones. Okay, this next clip, I think it might be the longest clip that I've got for you. It's upwards of seven minutes long, but it's very valuable, I think. So this is Elon talking about how the vehicles, starting with the Model Y in Giga Berlin, are going to be constructed moving forward and the radical rethink about vehicle manufacturing and assembly.
1: So um, there's an architecture that um, we've been wanting to do Tesla for a long time, uh, and we're finally... We finally figured it out, Um, and I think it's it's the way that all electric cars in the future will ultimately be made. Uh, It's the right way to to do things. Um, So it starts with uh, having a single piece casting or a single piece casting for the front body and the rear body. Um, And uh, in order to do this, we uh, commissioned the the largest casting machine that has ever been made, and it's currently working just. over the road at our uh, Fremont plant. Uh, we have the, 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 it's pretty sweet. Um, ma- making the, uh, enti- currently making the entire uh, rear section of the car in a, as a single piece, high pressure die cast aluminum. Um, and in order to do this, we actually uh, had to develop our own alloy uh, because we wanted a high strength casting alloy that not, did not require coatings or heat treatment. Uh, this is a big deal for, for castings especially with a, la- a large casting, if you heat treat it afterwards, it, it tends to deform. It kind of like does this like potato chip thing. So it's very hard to keep a large casting uh, to have its shape. Um, so in order to achieve this, there was no alloy that existed that could do this. So we developed our own alloy, a special alloy of aluminum that has high strength without heat treat and, and is very castable. Uh, so that's a, you know, a great achievement of our materials team. Um, in fact, in general, we've got a lot of advanced materials coming for, for Tesla that new alloys and, and materials that have never existed before. So uh, so you're basically making this, the, the, the front and rear of the car as a single piece. Um, and then that, that, that then inter- the interfaces to uh, what we call the structural battery, where the battery for the first time will have dual use. Uh, the battery will both have the use as an energy device and as structure. This, this is absolutely the way things are done in, in the early days of, of aircraft, they would carry the fuel tanks as cargo. So the, the fuel tanks um, actually had were quite difficult to, to carry. they were like basically worse than cargo. You had to, had to kind of bolt them down. Um, it was very difficult. Uh, and then somebody said, Hey, what if we just make the wing tanks? What if we just make the fuel tank in wing shape? So uh, all modern airplanes, the fuel tank, your, your wing is just a, a, a fuel tank in wing shape. This is absolutely the way to do it. Um, and then the, the, the fuel tank serves as dual structure. Um, and it's, not, it's no longer cargo. It's, it's fundamental to the structure of the aircraft. This was a major breakthrough. Um, we're doing the same for cars. So, so, so this is really quite profound. Uh, the effectively, the, the non cell portion of the battery has negative mass. So, it, we, we save so much mass in the rest of the vehicle, we, we save more mass in the rest of the vehicle than the non cell portion of the battery. So, it's like, well, h- how do you really minimize the mass of a battery? Make it negative, make the battery, non cell portion of the battery pack negative. Um, so, um, it also allows us to pack the cells more densely because we do not have uh, intermediate structure in the battery pack. So instead of having these like uh, supports and stabilizers and stringers and structural elements in the battery, we now have a lot more space in the battery because the pack itself is structural. Um, the uh, what we do is essentially um, like what we like we, instead of having just um, a filler that is a flame retardant, which is currently what is is in the three and Y battery packs. We have a filler that is a, a structural adhesive, um, as well as flame retardant. So it effectively glues the cells to the top and bottom sheet. And this allows you to do shear transfer between the upper and lower sheet. Just like uh, if you have like a Formula One uh, craft or like a, a racing boat, and you have uh, carbon fiber face sheets and, say, aluminum honeycomb between them, uh, this uh, gives you incredible stiffness. Um, and it's really the way that, that any super fast thing works is uh, you, you, you create a... Um, Basically, a, a, a honeycomb sandwich with with two uh, face sheets. Uh, this is actually even better than what aircraft do, because aircraft do not do this. Um, they, they can't do this because fuel is liquid. So, <laughs> in our case, the batteries are solid, so we can actually use the sh- the, the steel shell case of the battery to transfer uh, sh- uh, shear from the upper and lower face sheet, which makes for an incredibly stiff structure, even stiffer than a regular car. Yeah. In, in fact, if this was if if this was in in a, in a uh, uh, like a, a convertible uh, that had no upper structure, it would be stiffer than, that convertible would be stiffer than a regular car. So this is it's just really, to ha, it's a pro, really major. Um, so it improves the mass efficiency of the battery, um, and then the, those castings are also quite important because you want to transfer load into the structural battery pack uh, in a very smooth, continuous way, um, so you don't um, put uh, arbitrary point loads into the battery. Um, so you have kind of have to. You, you want to sort of feather the load out from the front and rear uh, into the structural battery. Um, it also allows us to uh, use uh, to, to move the the cells uh, closer to the center of the of the car um, because we don't have the 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 in the top one we've got that sort of all the supports and stuff. So the, the volumetric efficiency of the structural pack is is much better than a non-structural pack, and we actually bring this, the cells closer to the center um, and. Uh, because they're closer to the center, the, uh, it reduces the probability of, uh, of a side impact uh, potentially contacting the cells because any kind of side impact has to go further in order to reach the cells. Uh, it also proves uh, what's called the polar moment of inertia, uh, which is that you can think of like when there's an like a ice skater uh, arms out or arms in. Arms in, you rotate faster. So, if you can uh, bring things closer to the center, you reduce the polar moment of inertia, and that means you can you, the car maneuvers better. It just feels better. You don't want to know why, but it just it just feels more agile. So, it, it's it's really cool. This is really major. Um, like I said, it's, it's, so ten percent mass reduction in, in the body of the car, fourteen percent range increase, uh, three hundred and seventy fewer parts. So. I mean, I really think that that long-term, and
0: any cars that do not uh, take this architecture will not be competitive. So again, since Elon won't talk about the Roadster, I will. This is clearly how the Roadster pack is going to work as well. Everything closer to the center, a lot less negative mass, negative space, the car will handle better, it will be stiffer. The battery pack will be thinner, it can still be 200 kilowatt hours, It can, which, and in doing so uh, with this new battery architecture, lower the seating position closer to the ground, which will make for a a more fun ride quality or or just more fun seating position. Now, I also think, by the way, that this is how the Cybertruck, which I know a lot more of you care about, is going to be able to offer a large battery pack that gets 500 miles of range and have a tri-motor sub-three-second zero-to-60 time for just $70,000. I saw a lot of folks talking online after battery day, suddenly thinking that the Cybertruck was now going to instantly become a 700-mile range vehicle based off of these battery day announcements. But because the Cybertruck was only unveiled 10 months ago, and Elon hinted at the higher charging speed supercharging speed then i would bet the farm that all of these advancements from battery day were already priced in to the cyber truck and baked in in terms of both its cost uh well retail price let's put it in uh, certainly the cost to tesla is factored in as well but the retail price that that seventy thousand dollar tri-motor as well as the specs that 500 miles of range so That's what the Cybertruck is going to be. I would very much not expect any kind of radical improvement on the specifications of the Cybertruck that have already been announced. It's already a heck of a vehicle for its price. Now, let's, let's wrap it all up here. This clip goes through exactly what Tesla has achieved with this new battery project, as well as the near-term timeline and where they're going with this take a listen this is important
2: all right so stacking it up we're not just talking about uh cost or range we've got to look at all the facets so range increase we're unlocking up to 54 percent increase in range for our vehicles and energy density for our energy products uh 56% 56% reduction in dollars per kilowatt hour at the battery pack level, and a 69% reduction in investment per gigawatt hour, which is the true enabler when we talk back about how do we achieve this scale problem here.
1: Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so um, I think it's pretty nice that investment per, kilowatt, per gigawatt hour reduction is 69%. I mean, who would have thought?
2: Yeah. <laughs> Just happened to happen <laughs> out that way. Yeah.
1: I mean, 0.420%, of course. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, so w- w- what what this res- uh, enables uh, us to do is achieve a new trajectory in the reduction of of uh, cell cost. And um, now, it, t- to be clear, it will take us probably a year to 18 months to start realizing these, uh, these advantages and probably to fully realize the advantages probably it's about three years or thereabouts. So... Um, you know, it's, it's not like uh, if we could do this instantly, we would. <laughs> um, but it, it's, it's really, um, I think what this bodes, it just really bodes well for the future and means that the long-term scaling of, of Tesla and, and, and uh, the sustainable energy products that we make will be uh, massively increased. So, uh, you know, what tends to happen as companies get bigger is things tend to slow down. Um, actually, they're going to speed up.
2: And they have to speed up if we're going to accelerate the transition to sustainable energy.
1: Yeah. I mean, long term, we, you know, we want to try to uh, replace about, you know, uh, at least 1% of the total vehicle fleet on Earth, which is about 2 billion vehicles. So long term, we want to try to make about 20 million vehicles a year. So just let
0: that sink in for a moment, up to a 54% range increase and massive reductions in cost and 20 million cars per year inside of a decade. That is truly remarkable. Now, I'm no financial expert, and let me preface this by saying, please do not listen to me for any investment advice, but this is just my own internal monologue here. I have—I can't help but think that if you believe in this company and its mission and what had, what it has already accomplished, is there really any reason to doubt that they're going to pull off everything they said at battery day, even if it ends up not quite being on the timeline that they set. And with all that in mind, you might want to very well invest more into the company as a long-term play. I mean, if they make it, how valuable is this company from just a raw financial stock perspective, if they end up selling 20 million cars per year Plus whatever they're doing on the energy side of the business with the three terawatt hours of production a year, which they said I don't know if it was in any of the clips that I played. They estimate that half of that will be energy and the other half cars. So uh again, I'm in my humble fanboy opinion, and yes, fanboy, I, I don't, you know, I, I'm <laughs> I give the benefit of the doubt to Tesla, as I said earlier in this podcast. But for me. Tesla has raised the ceiling on its own market potential by a whole lot. They could be a trillion-dollar company before it's all said and done. But anyway, uh, finance is not my game. Let me get back to talking about something that I feel a lot more confident talking about, and that is the products. Let's talk a little bit more. Let's hear a little bit more about the $25,000 car that is in the works, that is planned down the road at Tesla, uh, what does it mean for, what does this, what does this
1: mean for our future products? Uh, so, uh, we, you know, we're confident that long term we can design and, and manufacture a, a, a compelling twenty five thousand dollar electric vehicle. Um, so, you, you know this 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 has always been our dream from the beginning of the company. I even like wrote a blog piece about it um, because. Um, you know, our first car was, was an expensive sports car, and, and then, it was, then it was like slightly less expensive sedan, and then finally sort of a, I don't know, mass market premium, but, you know, like the Model 3 and Model Y. Um, but it really it was always our goal to try to make an affordable electric car. And um, I think probably, uh, we, yeah, like I said, in about, about three years from now, uh, we're confident we can make a very, com- a, a very compelling $25,000 electric vehicle uh, that's also fully autonomous.
2: And when you think about the $25,000 price point, you have to consider how much, inic- how much less expensive it is to own an electric vehicle. Yeah. So right. actually, it, it's, it, it becomes even more affordable at that $25,000 price point. Yeah. By the way, in the
0: Q&A, which I'm going to play you a few clips of coming up, someone that didn't have a microphone on them, so that's, I'm not going to play the clip because you can't hear it, shouted out asking if there's a name for the $25,000 car yet. Elon said no. So, hence, we can, we can argue amongst ourselves as to whether or not we want to call it the Model 2 for a while until we get an official name or the Model 4. All right, now, now comes the part that I am very eager to talk about because, of course, the, the heart of this podcast is my excitement for Tesla's vehicles, the cars themselves. Let's hear about the Model S Plaid. So... Uh, Yeah. Anyway, we 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 took
1: the latest Plaid out to Laguna Seca on Sunday. It got um, a minute thirty, and uh, we think probably there's another three seconds or more to take off that time. Uh, So uh, we're confident the Model S Plaid will achieve the uh, the best track time of any production vehicle ever, of any kind, two door or otherwise. Um, And you can order it now, uh, and it's uh,
0: (laughs) available uh, uh, basically end of next year. Okay, so right before that clip that I played you, they had a little video on the screen showing a pretty vanilla-looking Model S, but on the track, uh, buzzing around the track, and they flashed up the specs on the screen. And it basically, the Plaid S has the Roadster specs from three years ago when that car was unveiled. So this is the Tesla description. You can go see this on tesla.com slash Model S. Quickest zero to 60 miles an hour and quarter mile acceleration of any production car ever. Acceleration from zero to 60, under two seconds. The Roadster base, by the way, was advertised and still is as 1.9. Quarter mile, under nine seconds. Roadster was... Advertises 8.8, 8. 1100 plus horsepower, tri motor, all wheel drive. Uh, and then by the way, it starts, if you're curious, starts at $140,000, which is $60,000 less than the base model Roadster. And again, pretty much pretty darn similar specs, uh, outside of the range, but, uh, that range, by the way, 520 plus miles. 520 plus miles. We'll get to that more in a minute. But if, you, if you're if you curious, uh, you can max out the Plaid S at $156,500 if you select all the options and red paint, all the most expensive options, including paint, which uh, which is red's the most expensive of the paints. So hundred fifty dollars which is wild because the Model S, the P100D, when that first hit, that was about 150 dollars until the Ravens came along and drastically lowered, I mean, again, relatively speaking, but they, they lowered the price of the Performance Model uh, S and X quite a bit. So it's it's the same money with just absurd specs compared to just, just a few years ago on the Performance Model S, the P100D. So now all of this means, it has to mean, that the Roadster is going to be even better for an extra 60-plus thousand. In fact, uh, it an extra 110000 if we're talking about the Founder Series Roadster, which we don't know the details of, that's $250,000. In fact, Elon even confirmed the Roadster improvements relative to the Plaid S. He replied to someone on Twitter who brought up that very thing and asked about it, and Elon simply said, Roadster will be better. So what I think is going on is because it's, again, it's now been three years, just a, a month and a half shy of three years since the Roadster and the Semi were unveiled. I think that all of this new battery tech, it's pretty clear that this new battery tech, the 4680s cells were not part of the original Roadster plan, which means that the Roadster that does end up releasing is probably going to be lighter, it's probably going to be faster, probably going to be quicker, and probably going to have even better range than 620 miles. Basically, better everything, better handling, better stiffness. I really think that 700 miles of range is on the table for that car. I mean, there was early speculation... uh, in late 2017 when the Roadster was unveiled, that how are they doing 200 kilowatt hours in a sports car body like that? Was it two 100 kilowatt hour packs double stacked like a, a, a you know quarter pounder <laughs> burger or something like that? But now, with the space-saving battery pack design that they outlined in the Battery Day presentation, they save a ton of space and, again, likely weight as well and while the roadster will still probably be lighter than the plaid s i would think due to being quite a bit smaller and probably also being made of mostly carbon fiber at least as far as the body's concerned it's still going to have a bigger battery pack than the plaid s which will add some weight so i'm wondering okay well then what is the differentiator going to be between the roadster and the Plaid S. Well, okay, if you've got a bigger battery pack, that means for sure more range. Again, I just said, I I think there's a a good shot we're looking at 700 miles on the Roadster when all is said and done. And the other thing that, that came to mind is for that extra money, maybe the SpaceX package that Elon has talked about, that again, we have no real details on as far as how many thrusters are on it, and most importantly, how much does it cost, But I wonder if they might put the SpaceX package on every Roadster. Uh, Because we know that, that Tesla does like to simplify production. And while the Roadster will be relatively low volume, it's still going to be cheaper, more efficient, easier for them if there are fewer variations of the Roadster. So it could make sense as a just big differentiator between Performance-wise, between the Roadster and the Plaid S, if every Roadster ends up with the SpaceX package, we'll see. I wonder, another possibility, this could be an and-or situation, maybe Roadster ends up being a quad-motor car (laughs) instead of a tri-motor car? A motor at each wheel? That is definitely not out of the question here. So, at the end of all this, again, I am just more curious than ever, about the roadster and i cannot wait to learn more about it once elon and tesla finally decide to start talking about it now also on the plaid s so if you go on the tesla design studio on tesla.com it appears that the plaid s has the exact same body as all the other model s's with no cosmetic changes obviously there are changes underneath (laughs) but nothing that shows visibly cosmetically unless it's possible that they are going to be there, but they just haven't revealed them yet because there have been rumors, stronger than usual rumors, of a Model S and Model X redesign in Q1 of next year. Now, this car isn't due out until Q4 of 2021, but still, even if that were the case, it would seem strange to me to have a car that you can order right now, which, by the way, that the fact that they're taking orders already for a car that's a year out that surprised me um but if you know maybe the redesign is coming and will just by the time the plat s is out the redesign will also be out and maybe they'll it'll just happen that way but even still that would seem odd to be uh, to to have the car end up changed in the the design following people putting down money for it. So I wouldn't put it past Tesla and I'm not saying it would necessarily be wrong or bad to do, but it just seems odd. Not to mention, if it does end up just being on the same body as the the Model S we have today and same interior, by the way, as well, that by the time the Plaid S comes out, the Model S will be nine years old. Nine years old. That's getting up there in car years. So another interesting thing, I'm not done with the Plaid S yet. Again, this is what I love talking about, the crazy awesome cars. I mentioned the 520 plus, it just says 520 plus, 520 miles of range. So uh, it seems that Lucid, with the air and its 517 miles, Again, not EPA certified yet there, but that's what they're claiming internally. Lucid will have the range crown in the EV world for about, oh, maybe six months or so if indeed Lucid ends up shipping their first cars in the spring of 2021. Now, funny note here, Elon had replied to me on Twitter about the range of the Plaid S back on Valentine's Day of this year, February 14th. I went and looked it up. I wrote, the Plaid S is probably going to hit 500 miles of range, unless you actually drive it like it's got Plaid, as Elon has already stated that it will have a battery pack larger than 100 kilowatt hours. That's my guess, at least. And Elon replied to my tweet there and said, back on February 14th, there's a tough performance versus range trade-off. Plaid has absurd performance while holding range roughly constant. So again, that seemed to indicate that the Plaid S was gonna be right around 350 miles of range or so, which is what the Performance Model S is now, but it turns out I was right and Elon was wrong. <laughs> I say that very much with a, with a wink and a smile. Uh, it's not often that you can say that. I was right and Elon was wrong. So I'm not sure what changed there, if, if there was something about the 4680 cells between February and now or, or what, but it, it, is, uh, it is not going to be uh, roughly the same range as the Performance Model S now, the ludicrous car. It will instead be 520 miles, if not a bit more, which is incredible. Absolutely incredible. All right, the final part of Battery Day and the last, let's see, one, two, three, four, five clips I want to play for you are from the Q&A portion that followed everything, this first question was someone asking about something that Elon has been mentioning a little bit about lately, and that is an a home HVAC system. So take a listen to what Elon had to say about that. Um, yeah, that, I mean, that's
1: a pet project that I'd love to get going on. Um, I don't know, maybe we'll start, start working on that next year. Because um, I just think this, man, you could really make a way better home HVAC system that's really quiet and super efficient and uh, yeah, it's super energy efficient and also has like a, you know, a way better filter, uh, you know, for particles. And um, uh, yeah, just and, and it works uh, very reliably. And, and there, we, we've already developed that for the car. Like so the, the heat pump uh, in the Model Y uh, is really pretty spectacular. Uh, I mean, it's tiny, it's efficient. It it's has to last for 15 years. Uh, it's got to work in all kinds of conditions from... from you know, the coldest winter to the hottest summer. Um, so we've actually already done a massive amount of the work necessary for uh, a really kick-ass home HVAC. Um, and they can also like stack them. So if you want to, say, uh, depending upon the size of your house or whatever, how much you need, you can just you can just basically stack them, um, and uh, just have a very compelling, super efficient home HVAC. And then you can also uh, communicate with the car, and it'll it'll know when you're coming home. So it's like, oh, I don't need to keep the house cold all day. I just you know keep, cool it down because i knew you were coming home um so the, the pack can communicate with the car and just like really dial it into when you actually need cooling and heating it would be great
0: fun product yeah i'll tell you i would buy a smart tesla hvac system for my home for sure something that could talk to my car and vice versa to know when i'm on my way home that would be cool Uh, And probably, uh, pardon the phrasing there, cool. (laughs) Didn't even realize it. Uh, And by the way, it would probably be more efficient than what's out there. So sign me up. But the, the caveat here is he calls it a pet project, though. So even when he says it could start next year, it's probably clearly fairly low on his priority list, so I would not hold my breath for anything hitting the market anyway anytime soon. Well, uh, I was able to sneak in a question. In fact, two of them bundled into one. So here is what I asked Elon. Hi, Elon, to your left here in the white Model Y. Ryan McCaffrey from the from the Ride the Lightning Tesla podcast. Uh, curious about Cybertruck. It was interesting to see where you had it in on the battery technology front. I'm sort of curious what you see for it in the production front. Is its volume, you know, trucks are so popular in America, do you see its volume equaling the three or the Y in the future? And also, is the uh, did you did, were you able to get Tesla is able to legally be sold in Texas as part of the Gigatexas deal? <laughs>
1: um, well, it's hard to say what the volume exactly would be for the Cybertruck. the The orders are gigantic, so and we have like I don't know, well over half a million orders. I think maybe six or six hundred thousand. That's a lot. Basically, we stopped counting. Um, so, I, I think there's probably room for, I don't know, at least like a unit volume of like 250 to 300,000 a year, maybe more. Um, so, uh, now we are designing the Cybertruck to meet the American spec, because if you try to design a, a car to meet the global, the, the, the superset of all global re- requirements, it basically, you can't make the Cybertruck. It's impossible. Um, so... Uh, it, it really is designed for the American market, but this is the biggest market. Our North American market is the biggest market for pickup trucks by far, or l- large pickup trucks. And then I think for uh, in, we'll probably make an international version of of the Cyber Truck that'll be kind of smaller, you know, kind of like a tight Wolverine package. Um, it'll still be cooler, but it'll be it'll be smaller because you just can't make a giant truck like that for most markets. Um, so yeah, but it's going to be great. Uh, and I I'm, I don't know. I think probably we'll be able to sell directly in Texas. Um, We do pretty well right now, uh, but it is a bit weird not being able to actually conclude a transaction in Texas, but it's got to be like, you know, a click on a server based in California. (laughs) So, um, but weirdly, we can do leasing in Texas, but not selling. But hopefully that'll get cleared up in the future.
0: Well, as you heard, I was very curious about how he sees Cybertruck production now that it's proven to be a huge hit, and I appreciate him addressing it there. It sounds like production-wise, production, production volume-wise, it's going to slot in between the S and the X and the 3 and the Y. Uh, the S and the X are, as of now, about forty to 50,000 per year combined, and the 3 and the Y are about 10 times that. So Cybertruck's gonna slot in between them about two hundred fifty to 300,000 a year. Again, only in North America, a, uh, a European, separate, different, smaller Cybertruck would have to come later, and that Cybertruck, all Cybertrucks, are going to use that nickel-based higher energy density battery pack that was talked about earlier, of course, given because of the size and the weight of the Cybertruck. Presumably, what makes that affordable, the Cybertruck affordable still, is the cheaper cost of the rest of the truck. Stainless steel, so no paint, no complicated assembly line, just the origami folding of the stainless. And as as to my other question there, I suppose he wasn't going to outright say that he has a handshake deal in place with the Texas state government that would legalize Tesla sales by the time the uh, Cybertruck factory opens in Austin. But he seemed pretty optimistic there that it's going to happen, which Could mean nothing, but it could also be his way of saying that there's a handshake deal in place without quite tipping his hand. A few other good clips from the Q&A, at least I hope mine was good. Here is uh, some good news for those of you who are audiophiles and want to have some higher quality music in your Teslas. We will be providing a title uh, on uh, Teslas. Um...
1: So you know, we're providing you know, music, more music sources uh, that people can choose from and uh, just try, generally trying to improve the entertainment experience in the cars. Um, and I think actually, as, as we go to a more autonomous future, uh, the, the importance of entertainment um, and productivity will become greater and greater. Um, I mean, to the degree that if, if you're just basically sitting in your car, the car is fully autonomous and driving somewhere, it's kind of like being in, in a, being, you know, the car is essentially your chauffeur. And, and then uh, the things that become important are, okay, well let's, uh, let's have good entertainment and uh, you know, if you wanna do some productivity stuff, then that, that actually starts to become much more important because you're no longer spending your attention driving the car. So it will be extremely important in the future.
0: I confess that I'm not personally super familiar with Tidal, I mean, I've heard of it, but I didn't really know what it was, though I know you audiophiles do. Looking it up, I see that it offers lossless streaming audio, which quite literally sounds fantastic. So I would be down for that if the service is good. It is a pay service, but I'm in if, it, if it's going to sound a heck of a lot better because the, the Teslas all have pretty good sound systems in them. So if there's a way to get even better sounding music, count me in. Uh, two more clips here. This one, the very popular question was addressed. What about vehicle to grid? People want to use the car battery to power their homes in an emergency kind of situation. Here is Elon speaking to that.
1: Vehicle to grid. We get asked that a lot. <laughs> I think one of the things that's important to note is uh, vehicle to grid, uh, it, it doesn't unless you have a power cutoff, like you need to cut off your main supply to the grid. Otherwise, if you're if you lose the power in your house, you'll basically just b- backflow uh, energy to the grid. So just having uh, a reversal in the in the power flow does not actually uh, keep the lights on. Um, you, you need a whole separate system to cut off power to the grid. Um, and I think there's also the case that people really want the freedom to be able to drive and to uh, charge at their house. And it, it's obviously very really problematic if... Uh, you know, you get to morning and your car, uh, instead of being charged, it, it discharged uh, into the house. And then you you're, you're sort of, okay, now I can either drive or use the battery to power my house. Uh, I, I think it's actually going to be better for people's freedom of action to have a power wall um, and a car separate. Um, and then you then it's, uh, you know, everything works. The, the, the you know, and you add that you basically combine that with solar either, either solar retrofit or solar glass solar glass roof um and a local battery storage so you basically become your own utility um and then the the, the car is uh, you know can be charged also with solar um I, I think that's like the stuff that works uh you know that said uh, like we can certainly do vehicle to grid um i think we could uh, like we could basically enable that with software in europe or something
2: right uh yeah <clears throat> um we are Future generations of power electronics, we will be able to do this more or less everywhere from a like energy market participation perspective. But, but yeah, from a backing up the house, and it just so happens that the way the North American connectors are on all the cars in North America, it doesn't matter whether it's the Tesla connector or the, the connector that the other vehicles have, doesn't actually support powering your home. It's unfortunate, so you'd need a, a, an additional hardware to do that. Um, but, but, But yeah, in the future... All, all versions of our vehicles will be able to at least do bidirectional power flow for the purposes of energy market participation. But even for that, it's important to remember that your car isn't plugged in 24-7, so it's kind of an unpredictable uh, resource for the grid. It'll have a value, but it's not the same as a stationary battery pack.
1: Yeah, honestly, a vehicle to grid uh, sounds good, but I think actually has a much lower utility than people think. Um, I think very very few people would actually use vehicle-to-grid. And we, we actually had, the, with the original Roadster, we had uh, vehicle-to-grid capabilities. Nobody used it.
0: I know a lot of folks will not be thrilled with that answer. I've actually already had a couple of you email me about it. But the good news is, you heard Drew talk about there, it sounds like it is coming down the road in future vehicles, just not the ones that we're driving right now. All right, well, let's end on a happier note than that. Here is uh, Elon answering the question, and Drew, when will Tesla vehicles be cheaper at point of purchase than their internal combustion engine counterparts? When is the tipping point coming when there is simply no financial argument
2: left for a gasoline-powered car? I think a way to answer that question is in the classes of vehicles we sell today, we're already doing that. yeah,
1: we're already pretty yeah, pretty close. Um, and then factoring in total cost of ownership um, and the fact that electric vehicles, vehicles require much less servicing um, and are way cheaper to run. Uh, when you when you look at, like, to, you know, total cost of ownership, and you can always lease a car. So if you just, like, lease a car or or get a loan for a car, you've got your sort of monthly payment and then your cost for either gasoline or electricity um, and your cost of servicing. And the, the fully considered cost of an electric car is... Uh, much less than uh, a gasoline car of the same nominal purchase price. Um, you know, uh, I mean, that said, and like may- maybe on the order of th- you know, three years uh, when we can do um, a lower cost, car, like a $25,000 car, um, you know, I think that will be basically on par, maybe slightly better than a comparable gasoline car. So I think maybe it's, it's on the order of three years.
0: Well, my question is, is that $25,000 car, the hot hatch slash city car that's been talked about lately as possibly being something that's going to be built out of Berlin, or is this a compact four-door sedan and the hot hatch slash city car is something else? I could see it going either way. Now, either way, I will tell you, my wife's ears perked up at that. Because a small Tesla is what she has been waiting for, and of course, in the grand scheme of things, the affordability for just the greater Tesla end game, the affordability of a twenty-five thousand dollar car is just going to be huge. With again, yeah, as you heard, factoring in the cost of ownership, total cost of ownership, uh, the fueling cost, the maintenance costs, so much lower on an electric car. Twenty-five k. Smaller car, that is going to be fantastic. All right, well again, I know that was a lot, but I did my best to trim the fat and deliver the core of this to you, while hopefully also offering some reasonably insightful analysis, as well as my reactions to all of it. Again, I'm, I'm extremely grateful to Tesla for inviting me. That was a really neat event to get to be at. Uh, I had a lot of fun, and again, my first time in Model Y, and getting to see Roadster and Cybertruck out in the sun. And even though I couldn't go sit in it in either of them or anything like that, but just getting to to be there and check them out was great. And and asking Elon a question was, was really awesome too. So good stuff. That was battery day as well as the shareholder meeting. I'm not quite done with the show though. Stick with me. I've uh, got a couple more things for you right after this. This is Steve Downs. The voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117. You're listening to Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. You know, that Cybertruck looks a lot like a warthog, doesn't it? Master Chief, out. Well, as for me and my car, the spirit of adventure is in dire need of a wash. I am planning on doing that this weekend. It's been a super busy week, though. Admittedly, a very fun one. Uh, again, between the Xbox Series X and the coverage I've been doing with that for IGN and then the battery day stuff that you just heard as well. So I'm looking forward to a nice, relaxing cleaning of the car. Take a breather. Just enjoy that. Uh, before I go, though, pro tip of the week time, Maturshan from Toronto. I like this tip. This side I actually didn't realize. I've been burned by this one before. Now I know how to be proactive and take care of it. Take it away, Maturshan
2: hello ryan this is a from toronto i hope you're doing great hope the boxer of property is doing fantastic i have a little pro tip for y'all tesla owners what it is is that if you're traveling from one state to another state for example if you're traveling from one time zone to another time zone in order to update the time zone all you gotta do is just press and hold the uh, time icon well the clock icon on top of the screen and uh, for three to four seconds and it will update to the uh, local time zone And uh, if you just tap it once, it will actually bring up the calendar. Uh, Hope you all find this uh, useful. Um, And uh, yeah, Uh, thanks for this uh, wonderful podcast, Ryan. I'll talk to you later. Bye.
0: Thank you for that one, Matershan. I've actually noticed on my trips to Arizona that it takes a while to update if you don't touch it. Now, some parts of the year, Arizona is on the same time as California. But the times I've gone, which are the holidays, it's not. So it's our Arizona's an hour ahead. But yeah, it'll take a while if you don't do anything. It'll take quite a while to update if you don't touch it. So this is an excellent tip if you're moving between time zones. Thank you very much, Maturshan. If you've got a pro tip of the week, you can send it in. Uh, just like you send in one of the regular Ride the Lightning Hotline calls. In fact, I guess I'll mention that real quick. Uh, Obviously, this show has gone on for quite a while. I'm not going to do the Ride the Lightning Hotline this week, but I'll get back to it next week. So I invite your calls if you'd like to comment on something from Battery Day, something I said, anything on your mind, any question, comment, what have you, related to the world of Tesla, you can call me or a pro tip, You can call me in one of two easy ways. Either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software. Please try to keep your call to 90 seconds or less. And you can send that recording to me via email at teslapodcast at gmail.com. Or you can take that same 90 second or less call and just dial me up toll-free and leave a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline. That toll-free number is one 989 8752 Again, that's 1-888-989-TSLA. All right, and with that, let me just say hi to some of the friends of the podcast that uh, might have some stuff you might be interested in. I will start with abstractocean.com, the Costco of aftermarket Tesla stuff. They've got just rows and rows of everything, virtually speaking, on their website. Whether you're in the market for center console vinyl wraps to change the, the look and feel of that fingerprint and scratch-proof center console. They've got li- improved lighting kits in various colors, tempered glass screen protectors, the TESLA Roadster style lettering, if you wanna do that on the back of your three or Y, etc. cetera, et cetera. AbstractOcean.com, and you can use the coupon code RTL Podcast, that's all one word, RTL Podcast at checkout there to get 15% off of your very first order. Meanwhile, PureTesla.com slash RTL, your one stop shop for your dash cam and Sentry Mode needs. It's a nice, easy kit, free shipping anywhere in the US, though they will also ship worldwide. PureTesla.com slash RTL. It comes fully formatted and ready to go. You take it out of the package, straight into your car, and you are all set. You no longer have to worry. the uh, It is a long term use situation with that PureTesla.com slash RTL kit. And then for Jada, they are rocking uh, some deals right now. The Ride the Lightning coupon code is there for you. That's 10 bucks off. And that of course is good towards either of their two products. They've got the wireless charging pad for all, but the very newest of model threes. They've also got the USB hub, which is going to add some uh, plenty more ports, USB ports, including some USB C ports for you as well. And in addition right now, this is going to be very short lived coupon codes here. $15 $15 off of one product if you use the coupon code BATTERYDAY15 altogether. Battery BATTERYDAY15 and then if you want to buy both a USB hub and a charging pad or maybe you have one of each car and you want to get you know a couple of the same thing for each car I don't know but $25 off of two products if you use the coupon code BATTERYDAY25 my only humble request there is that you please go to their website through my referral link, because full transparency, they'll throw me a few bucks from the sale if you do. That referral link is getjada.com R-E-F slash 8. And Jada spelled J-E-D-A on that one. Uh, also, <clears throat> pardon me, you've got livingtesla.com RTL. You're home for the snap plate. The front license plate for people like me that hate front license plates and want to take it off when you don't actually need it, uh, c- includes everything you need. Check that out, livingtesla.com slash RTL. And then finally, Immaculate Reflections. If you're going to be in the Bay Area or you are in the Bay Area, you can uh, really not do better in my humble opinion, both in terms of detail, professionalism and quality, and just human awesomeness than immaculate reflections. They will take wonderful care of you and your car in a totally touchless way here in the pandemic. Uh, There are discounts available. Well, a discount available for listeners of this podcast, whether you're doing whatever the kind of detail work you want to have Jeff do, whether it's a full body paint protection film, just the front end of the car to really make sure you're heading off those rocks and things that that get the front of your car. Uh, Maybe you want to do ceramic coating. Maybe you want to do paint correction or some combination of all of it. Go to the website to find out more as well as book your appointment, irdetailing.com. I think that will about do it. If you're not already subscribing to the podcast, that's free to do so on any of the major podcast services, including YouTube against just audio on YouTube. But if you search Ride the Lightning Tesla, you will find my channel no problem if you do prefer to listen on YouTube. And then there's just the Patreon. I mention it every week, but again, hey, as you hopefully saw, I mean, I hope it comes across. I do put a ton of time and effort into this podcast uh, a lot of love and enthusiasm so if you uh, are able and willing and see fit to support me and my efforts here you know the podcast will always be free the Patreon's totally voluntary but if you want to get in on it i would very much appreciate it you can find out all the information for that on my patreon page which is found at patreon.com slash tesla podcast patreon spelled p-a-t-r-e-o-n and with that, I will say thank you to the Patreon producers before I go. I want to thank Pete White, George Cassioppo, David Brander, Jonathan Wales, Alexi Heft, Logan Willis, Robert Miracle, Jason Chalukas, Joe Edgel, Tim Hyde, Lawton from Chicago, Peter Chalet, David Vakil, Ulrich Lassa, Luke A., Eric Randolph, David Nondahl, Jerry and Mary Smith, Lyle Austin, Joel Sapp, Dory and Steve Guberman, Daniel Grummer, Jeremy, Tesla Owners Taiwan, Jeremy Harris, Rob Brewer, Ron Lee, John Cody, Matthew Wright, Charlie Gillespie, Kaz Barnes, Neil Weaver, David Perella, Sunil Joseph, Dennis Peake, Will Stedman, Evie Tricity UK, Stig Mickey Jensen, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanias, Richard Fulkers, Trenton from Myrtle Beach, The Lydia Family, Michael Regal, Mark Eversol, Ish. Chris Beach, Aaron Altshul, Steve Radspinner, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, Seth Capello, Jamie Dalton, Noel and Lucy Murphy, my friend on Twitter at Rodam, HUD Hassel, Nick and Tony, Tesla Hitchhiker 42 and John Schmidt. Thank you all so very much for your continued and very generous Patreon support. I super appreciate it. It really does. Every little bit makes a difference. It adds up, and I very much thank all of you. whether you're at the Patreon level, uh, excuse me, the producer level or any tier of the Patreon. All right. This has been a long enough podcast. You've probably heard enough from me at this point, but this was a fun one to do. I spent, uh, this was quite a bit more time put into this one than the usual podcast, but well worth it. Uh, I love being able to do firsthand reporting and and I'm so uh, just grateful and. Privilege to get to go to a lot of these Tesla events and be able to convey that experience of being there with you. I hope you enjoyed this episode. We'll get back to kind of the regular format with your phone calls and the the regular weekly news next week. But for now, this was Ride the Lightning episode 269 for a, where is she? Oh, she's still, yeah, she's upstairs, snuggling with my daughter. For a most likely sleeping Daisy the Boxer, I'm Ryan McCaffrey Happy electric motoring, and I'll see you next week.
1: I mean, I think a Tesla...